load the plates and lift the weights And we are mates and weights are great And as of late we pontificate about the weights And make a podcast! Sumo is cheating! This is Weekly Weights with Alex and Will Welcome to episode 64 of Weekly Weights My name's Alex Hayes, with me is Will Hello And with us today is Jess Zukowski Did I say that right, Jess? Zukowski? You nailed it yeah, good. Um, and with us is with us Pretzel, <laughs> Jess's sausage dog, and Digby, my French bulldog. Say hi, guys. Who are playing loudly in the background. Hello. So, Jess, do you want to just <laughs> intro yourself for us, for everyone? Uh, sure. So, um, I am a GPC powerlifter. I live on the northern beaches in Sydney. Um, and I have a small um, studio called the Booty Parlor, which I work at. Um, what else, really? Well, you've competed at how many how many world championships now? Uh, I've competed at uh, no world championships. I've competed at two overseas international comps, mm-hmm. Boss of Bosses and the Kern US Open. Uh, and I compete at the Pro Raw events here in Australia as well. Cool. And what are your best lifts? My best lifts uh, in comp. Or yeah, generally? let's go in comp, and then we can hear okay. in general. As well. Everyone loves gym stories. Yeah, so let's go. Uh, my best in comp is 185 kilo squat. Uh, that's wrapped, uh, wrapped knees. Uh, 95 kilo bench and 195 kilo deadlift. And which weight class is that? A combination of the under 56s and the under 60s, because right. I compete in both. Good grief. Okay, so, <laughs> so as you can tell, one of Australia's strongest women on the air with us today. I think it's a really unsavory characteristic of people to like claim full credit for the success of other people. But Alex and I both knew Jess prior to her beginning powerlifting, um, when she used to train with us or train, I should say in our presence at Willoughby fitness first. And I'd like to think that I'm the sole reason that she began the sport. Seeing me squatting off in the corner. Do you want to confirm that on air? I think, I think it was me. You reckon you remember your squats in 20. 14 or whatever. Well, I taught her to do a comp before she ever did one. Yeah, but if I'd seen the way you were training, I certainly wouldn't have do taken you, that step. Je- Jess, do you remember that day where, what was it, that bench attempt that you tried like four times in that one day? Was it 40 or was it 50? I think it was 40. I'm pretty sure it was 40 kilos. Yeah. I was so like, like yeah, Jess, let's bench 40 today. Definitely got it. You've definitely and got it. And she missed it like three times. <laughs> So, uh. so jokes aside, jokes aside, we do go back a fair way. So, you know, five or six years ago, we knew Jess as one of the girls who came to Willoughby Fitness first and loved to smash it up in the gym upstairs, but was certainly by no means a powerlifter. Definitely not. So the purpose of today's episode is sort of bridge the gap from, you know, Jess the, I wouldn't say cardio bunny, but, but Jess the girl who trained in the gym to Jess the international powerlifting competitor. And like we said, one of the highest qualified lifters in Australia. So let's go all the way back to childhood. Did you play sport as a kid? Not really, to be honest. Like I, I kind of like dabbled in a few team sports and I never really was very good. I never really enjoyed them that much. I kind of like, I played touch, I played a bit of volleyball. Um, like, you know, the, the regular like soccer, netball and basketball. But I was never really, I never excelled at anything very much. I kind of ended up liking things like shot put and long jump at athletics. You know, it was like the really random sports like that that no one else was really that good at. 
especially in primary school. So no, not really. So just like powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, random sport that no one else tries. I think that's probably why I ended up enjoying it so much. But yeah, so I wasn't really that sporty. I wasn't <laughs> terrible, um, like, but I was never really that athletic. I did start going to the gym in high school, but it was just like it was just because I didn't really play any other sport. So my high school boyfriend took me to the gym, yeah. Um, and yeah, like mostly I would just do cardio, but like I dabbled in a bit of weights and all the stupid machines. That's a classic high school date as well. The boys <laughs> who just started going to the gym, living over like three weeks. That's pretzel. Yeah, just, <laughs> just giving her having two a cents. sork. She's such a drama queen. Should we let her out? Yeah, yeah. You go to the gym yeah, for like two. <laughs> Two or three weeks as a high schooler, think you're super duper jacked up, and then the first thing you want to do is take your missus to the gym and show her those guns in action. Yeah, right? that's probably how it went down. <laughs> Pretzel, go outside. Okay, so, she just wants <laughs> <you> inside. <laughs> just leave it ajar, Alex. So the two dogs are just playing furiously at our feet right now. I'm sure that'll disrupt the episode again. All right. So you said you started going to the gym in high school. Yeah, it was, again, nothing, like, I wasn't committed to it or anything like that, but I, I had gym memberships pretty much from, like, um, yeah, mid-high school, and then after high school, I started going a little bit um, a little bit more frequently, but nothing too serious, um, and then when I finished high school, I started doing a lot of Les Mills classes with my mum, <laughs> so I was doing, like, like, body step and body attack and body pump, and I really, really loved those. I was going to say, at that stage, was this becoming <laughs> what you would call a hobby, or... Or it was just something you did? It definitely started to be more of a hobby, yeah. And then I moved over to London and then I started getting like really into it. Like backing classes up, like doing three classes in a row and that sort of shit. So then I was probably a cardio bunny or what you'd... So how how long did it take to get from that point to getting under a barbell? So then when I came back to Sydney from London, I... Because I'd been enjoying the Les Mills classes so much... Um, and like had started putting a greater focus on health because we had like someone be like quite ill in the family. And so that kind of made me start to be like, all right, this is important. I'm going to become a Les Mills instructor. That was my, <laughs> that's what I thought was going to be this amazing. Imagine you know, how different this oh interview could have been. Oh my God, I know. If you'd been like, you know, Jess Fonda instead of <laughs> you know, Jess Zhukovsky. How was my Zukowski? Good? Zhukovsky. I don't know. Zhukovsky. Zhukovsky. You're a fake Polish person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, so then I was like, all right, I'll join the gym in Sydney and I'll get myself a PT um, so I can actually learn a little bit more and then I'll do my like Les Mills instructor course and become like an instructor. Anyway, so that's when I um, I started training at Willoughby Fitness first and I got a PT, Tom, and sort of, and then, but a lot of the stuff he was doing with me initially was kettlebells and just movement stuff because I hadn't really touched anything other than machines in the gym mm-hmm. with weights. Yeah, that's what I, he was really into at the time as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. So he was really... I did like shit tons of Turkish get-ups and single leg deadlifts and band things and that's kind of what I started with. But then, yeah, soon after he kind of introduced me to the barbell. But it definitely wasn't anything like powerlifting specific as yet it was just and then you squirting. married the barbell and married him <laughs> yeah yeah massive spoiler yeah. alert i was i was actually waiting to drop that plot point later um, i was like i don't know where we can yeah discuss that yeah yeah well, actually <laughs> i don't want to get <laughs> it's not like i'm after instructional material but when did he as your pt start like laying the moves on you you know yeah will's asking for a friend <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I don't know any single pts <laughs> Um, so I started trading with Tommy when I got back from the UK in like August 2013 and then in 2014 
like a year and a half later is when we got together, or a year and a few months later, yeah. You had that written in your notes. Well, no, but that's uh, my notes say GPA Worlds, and I know it's just after that that we got together. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's he's introduced you to lifting weights. Yes. Um, at what point did you start thinking of it less as just something that you were going to do for health, and more where you were like, oh, this could this could be like a sport for me, or you know, I actually want to see what my strengths are. Yeah. Um, well, prior to prior to kind of learning like what powerlifting was and hearing like from different people what powerlifting was including from Alex I and you know kind of I didn't think I was a very competitive person Mm. like I really didn't think I was competitive and then I was doing my PT course and stuff and started realizing that like I was kind of stronger than some of the other girls and I was like oh this is kind of cool and I think that kind of wet the appetite a bit I watched GPA World's Pulled my first 100 kilo deadlift, and then from that point, I think it was kind of like powerlifting. Maybe it is for me. Yeah, right. And it was kind of like, oh, that could be like a cool thing to pursue. I think before that, I really, like, I actually didn't post any lifting videos until I pulled 100. And when I realized that a couple of days ago, I was like, shit, like, I, I didn't really, it's like I didn't want to give the idea that like I took it too seriously. Mm. or something like that like unless I thought I was good enough at it which I think is really stupid and I completely discourage that like now with my girls I celebrate all the little wins and yeah. um as a coach but you know back then it was kind of like oh no it's not really an important thing and then once I pulled 100 I was like oh maybe I could potentially do it but I still wasn't completely sold because I only did novice comps for a while later so after that when was your <laughs> first ever competition and what were your numbers uh, my first comp was in 2015 in, at the end of 2015, I squatted 117.5, bench 55, and deadlifted 130 at 53 kilos. Cool. So what was that a, as a total? Like 290? Yeah, 297, I think it was, or something like and that. And now, now what's your total? Uh, 4.70 is my best. Wow. You've That's put more on your, you've put more on your total <laughs> than I have since I started. In absolute terms. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That was also... That was in sleeves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the dog... I, I'll be curious when I listen back to this how much of the dog's playing we can hear. That's just oh. loving it. Yeah. She's having a great time. So I actually found it very interesting what you said about how you didn't want to post videos until you pulled 100 kilos. Like mm. you sort of had uh, had to earn the right to take it seriously. Yeah. Was, it when, was hitting that 100 like an epiphany to you that said... I have a talent for this or like I want to do it or do you think that was something that was inside you that you just weren't willing to express because I think it is a common attitude like you've certainly had clients as well who've sort of been lackadaisical about their training until they realize they have talent right Mm -hmm. was that yeah I'm curious yeah um I don't I don't really know where it came from because even reflecting back I'm like why was I like that why did I do that but I like I hadn't even considered doing a comp until that point and then I watched a comp and still was kind of like, oh, well, I'm nowhere near the league of these girls that I'm watching. But of course, I was, you know, comparing myself to all of the girls, like under 75s, under 82s, not just the <coughs> little tiny humans, which mm. I was at the time. And um, and then even like when I did my first novice comp, which was like a year later, it was actually exactly a year later. Even then I was like, I don't know, I just, I still like didn't really have the like, the courage, I want to say the balls, the courage to like go into a sanction comp. I was still like, no, no, no. Cause then I'll look like I'm taking it too seriously and I wouldn't want that. 
mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I don't really know, though, where it came from or, yeah, whether it was something, yeah, if there was more to it. Well, before we actually get further into your powerlifting career, one mm-hmm. other thing I find interesting, when you started actually saying, I will train for powerlifting, you'd actually been exercising, doing structured exercise for quite a while. And that's something Alex and I have spoken about as being beneficial. We say these people who already enjoy the process of training, already have some exposure to what hard work is and stuff before Mm. they get involved in powerlifting, often have a big leg up. Had you already adopted sort of a very like goal-focused and process-oriented mindset then? Or was that something that you had to learn when you decided you wanted to be a powerlifter? Well, I think I was definitely already very process oriented. I like came from a marketing background and everything was like spreadsheets. So I really valued having a program from pretty early on, even if it was really simple and it wasn't like there was, it wasn't very complex at all. There wasn't um, necessarily any, um, you know, like real progressive overload or anything like that. It was just that I had something that I was supposed to do on a Tuesday and I really liked adhering to that. So I think that side of it um, was already kind of there and definitely would have helped. Um, but when I look back, I wish that I had done like more like bro work. I wish I had actually done some like bodybuilding stuff or like grown some muscle before I started all of this. Would that have appealed to you though at the time? No, no, probably wouldn't have. Yeah, good point. <laughs> so was it, was it after realizing the benefits of being more muscular that you then wanted to do yes, bodybuilding training? Okay. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think it is that. Knowing that once I have put more muscle on, how much easier <laughs> now lifting is. Yeah. Yeah, right. So obviously um, you started training for powerlifting with Thomas. Yes. And is he still coaching you now? Yes, he is. Cool. And how has your training changed from when you started to, to now? Um... I guess at the start of when I started doing powerlifting, most powerlifting specific training, um, well, I was a lot smaller, I guess, um, and I could probably have trained every single day and felt totally fine, and I probably had a lot more variation in my training, I would say. And then I think the biggest differences would be that now... I train, I do what I need to and I don't do necessarily like everything else or the other extra stuff. Um, I have a lot more rest and recovery time. I train less frequently. Um, I still train five days, but when we're getting closer to comps, I only do four. Um, yeah. And most of it is a lot more powerlifting specific, especially cause I'm competing quite frequently. Mm. So I don't really get to do too much other stuff outside of that. I probably do less cardio now too. So <laughs> you, you mentioned that you did a lot of variety when you first started. Was that because you weren't fully committed to being a powerlifter? Probably partially. And probably also because we had this mentality. Well, Tom mostly had this idea that like, um, like we're not going to be those terrible powerlifters who just can't move and can't do anything other than squat, bench or deadlift. And you still need to be really mobile and you still need to like do a lot of functional stuff. And that's where Alex might've inspired your early powerlifting training. That makes some sense. Seeing him being really <laughs> mobile and incapable of moving. <laughs> especially, especially back then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So what was it like for you to do your first competition? You'd said it was daunting looking at how strong the other people were. Were you nervous? Yes, I was very nervous. Um, I, I think Going into it, uh, 
both Tom and I were competing at the same comp. So that made me feel a lot better about it. And neither of us had done a comp before, so it was our first. It was a novice comp, so I felt like there wasn't that much pressure on me. And um, so those factors kind of helped, or at least they, that's what I told myself, <laughs> like was going to make it a little bit easier. But yeah, I was still super nervous, especially going into the first squad. And even after my... Th- <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> pretzel? So strategy, up. <laughs> I've never in my life heard such a small dog make she such like a ferocious noise. When she barks, she's ferocious. So, so sorry, we're <laughs> off topic already. Um, you have three dogs. Yes. The other two you said are Pomeranians. Yes. Who rules the roost at home? Definitely the Queen Pretzel. Pretzel, because yeah. that that was... <laughs> I don't know if the listeners are going to have heard that, but that was terrifying. I, yeah. I've, I've been to Hyena and heard lions growling at each other. Um, and it was, it was <laughs> on first few days that. when we brought her home, Baxter used to hide under the lounge from her because oh, really? he was scared of her. And I think it was to do with the growl and the bark because he was like, "What have you brought home? She's a demon." Well, she's kind. They're so, kind of freaky looking as well. Maybe that um, as well. So she's a sausage dog. Um, <laughs> and something about them being so low to the ground but still long is quite yeah scary and reptilian. Yeah. Okay, so you were saying you were very nervous. It was a novice comp. It did, was. Um, did you have to compete in a soft suit and things like no. that? I didn't have to, so I was just in gym gear. Did you wear a belt? I wore a belt. Did you wear wraps? I wore knee sleeves. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, do you do all of your competing in wraps only, or do you train in sleeves or wraps, or what's it like? Um, I train in sleeves a lot. However, as soon as it's like my comp lift, mm. I train in wraps. Um, so usually it'll be like... It'll probably be like eight weeks before comp now that I'm training in wraps. Um, yeah. So, and mostly it'll be once a week in mm-hmm. wraps, but sometimes it'll be two of my squat sessions in wraps, but usually it's just once a week when I'm, and then the others are all in sleeves. All right. So I'm going to backtrack because obviously, obviously like having been able to compete, not in a soft suit and now competing in wraps, you're not, you're mm-hmm. not involved in powerlifting Australia. Mm-hmm. What led you to make the decision to, is it under GPC that you did that first competition, the novice comp, or it's not sanctioned at it's all? It's not sanctioned at all. So um, yes, so it's just well, your first sanctioned competition, was that under GPC? Yes. What led you to make the decision to go with that federation, you know, and were you attracted to the idea of squatting and wraps and things? What was it? Mm. Um, so the novice comps that I attended and then ended up also competing in, they were held out at PTC in Lidcombe, mm-hmm. which was... Um, like a, a gym where we were seeing a lot of, you know, content and lifters coming out of and so forth. And so we did that novice comp because we could easily register for it. Whereas all the sanctioned comps were kind of like selling out very quickly, like to register for them. You say we, so Tom competed. Tom and I, yeah, 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 yeah. So we both competed in that same novice comp. So <laughs> when we were looking for a potential comp to do. Anyway, so we, we did that one and then GPC also ran their comps out of the same gym yeah so it was sort of an easy transition because we'd done the novice comps there and we started meeting lifters there um and they were going to do the sanctioned comps they'd be like come and come and do a gpc comp and we considered both we considered doing a pa comp um actually we're going to go to melbourne for one um but yeah so because the ones in sydney were kind of smaller um and everyone knew each other you know Mm. it did it felt like a little bit of a both in gpc and pa so it was already like a bit of a like oh shit (laughs) I yeah, didn't really so, know anyone. <laughs> so the familiar environment and yeah, familiar people yeah. made you yeah, yeah. want to go For that the way. One. Yeah. The wraps definitely were not something that I that um, made me want to compete in GPC because initially I really resisted them and the mono. I really just wanted to walk out all of my squats and wear sleeves. Um, but then I, when I saw like how much more the girls squat than me, 
I was like, maybe I should try them. And then my second comp I did in wraps and I squatted 130. So what was, was your first comp? 117. 117. Okay. So it's a pretty big jump. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, how was it starting squatting in wraps? Because I've only ever worn wraps once and it was terrible. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I, it was like, pretty gross. I had to get them off me within 30 seconds. Did you squat in them? No, I didn't. I oh, literally put one wrap on and was like, no, get it off me. I couldn't. Yeah. T- I literally couldn't take 60 past maybe a top sixth of the squat range of motion. Yeah, because you had the weight. Well, well, maybe. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was very painful, even just walking around. So what was yeah. it like... When you first wore wraps and how did you like sort of adjust and how long did that take? Ages. Um, when I first wore wraps, I don't think we really knew what we were doing in wrapping them and I didn't know what to do in with squatting. Then like my, my squat was very narrow and um, and very, you know, like quaddy. Mm. And so it, they pretty much did nothing for me. And so I had to, I had to kind of change my squat technique. And I had to go a lot wider and I had to learn to actually like load my hips a bit more. And really? So, so very the, different. The wraps didn't help you when you used more knee travel in your squat? Uh, at least not initially in that narrow squat, no. But it was probably just because I had no idea what I was doing. I think now, if yeah. I, I mean, now I still, I like went the way I squat even in wraps now is still with like a, a knee break and with like a lot of like quad. Yes. <laughs> so yes, now I can get tension. But no, I had no idea what to do with them really then. I was just trying to squat in sleeves, but in wraps. And then kind of, but then I kind of managed to pull something together and squat that 130. Um, but then as we got a bit tighter with them and I kind of realized I had to kind of use them like a little slingshot yeah. <laughs> and build tension and so forth, then I kind of started learning and, and started to enjoy them. And now I don't really mind the pain. I'm always saying to Tom, tight up, tight up, tight up. <laughs> so you Just mentioned hurts. that you put them on tighter. Do you also have longer wraps now than you when you started? No, I think I have the exact same length. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've really dabbled in different Is there like a honest. maximum length wrap that you're allowed? I think so, yes. I think it is it two and a half metres? I want to I say it's three metres, but I'm not sure if there's a men's and women's rule or something. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, th- I think it's two and a half metres from memory, but yeah, not 100% sure. So what about when you coach your girls? Uh, when would you say is the right time to get them in per wraps? Um... I generally don't even bring it up. It's I kind of went and see if they ask about it. And if I feel like their squat is progressing a lot and I think that it would be it wouldn't completely change their squat mechanics, then I kind of would be like, Yeah, sure, let's give it a go and see how you feel in it and some of them are really comfortable and some aren't and hate it. Um, but yeah, like then there's other lifters who I just think are really like are really suited to sleeves. And if they're mostly doing novice comps, then I would leave them in sleeves anyway. Um, if they're doing GPC comps, then I guess, and I think that they'll be competitive, that's when it's the, well, you're probably going to want to use wraps because they're going to give you a little bit more weight to play with. So then it's kind of worth it. Um, one last thing on wraps before we get back to your competitive career. Did you find it was like? Did you find it was a big challenge for your torso and your postural strength, taking that extra load when you started using wraps? Um, I actually didn't. I don't think I too much noticed the difference. Um, like the way I definitely feel the difference when I'm overloading my bench or my deadlift. I feel like I notice the difference a lot more with those. But no, with squats, I don't think so really. Um, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because do you yeah. remember when Thomas, we had Thomas Lilly on the podcast yeah. a while ago, 
that was one thing you said was that you just have to have more postural strength yeah. when your legs are like when your legs are taking more load. Yeah. And I'd have thought early in your training career, particularly like you said, because you hadn't done as much pro work that that might have been a thing for you. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't notice it, but maybe, you know, I mean, I did introduce wraps fairly early, like before I started sanctioned comps. Yeah. So maybe that's why, because I was already kind of incorporating it yeah. and it wasn't always across my training, but it was at the points of time where we were kind of doing like a peaking phase. So yeah. 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 Like you said, you introduced them quite early and mm. your squat only went up 12 and a half when yeah. you put the wraps on. So like you probably could have made seven and a half or 10 kilos progress staying in sleeves. Yeah. 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 So what was the next step in your competitive journey? You've done you've done two comps at this point. Yeah. Second one's in wraps, you squatted one thirty. What happened after that? Um then I decided to do a sanction comp very soon after. It was a really silly decision because it was like a month after that second novice comp and I was really ill prepared. I'd been to Thailand for two weeks and had food poisoning while I was there and and then was like, nope, it doesn't matter. It's platform experience. Those two are really fun. I'm going to do it. And I didn't do very well. Um, and it was a bit of a wake up call and it was like, you just like kind of committed to being like, yeah, cool. Powerlifting's cool and you should do this thing. And then you've done like this really... Like you've had a, a shit cough and it totally could have been prevented by actually like having a good prep. And so then at that point it kind of woke me up to like, okay, no, you're going to work a bit harder now. Like you did for the, like the second novice comp I worked pretty hard for. Mm. Even though that sounds a bit silly. <laughs> Taking a novice comp seriously, but yeah. And so then I had a pretty good prep going into Sydney Cup. Um, and I kind of, that whole time I, like I was really like focused on, um, like what the other under 52 kilo girls were doing and what, what I had to do to kind of you know be up there with those girls and to be able to qualify for nationals because that's something that I had wanted at the first sanctioned comp I did and then because I had a really poor you know day meet day I didn't get an invite to Nats so then the next one I was like okay this one I'm definitely getting an invite to Nats um, but then after that one I did really well and broke a couple of um, GPC records and then I got a, a pro Roy invite from that Wow. So, okay. Yeah, in a, as an under 52. So a pro roll invitation prior to your invitation to nationals? or Oh, I got... probably would have qualified for nationals, yeah, with that one. Right. But I then got like, yeah, a month later after the G after Sydney Cup, I got the invite to pro roll. But the smallest weight class at pro roll is under 60s, right? So, yes. and I had just done this massive cut and like, re- it was a big cut to 52s. And, but then suddenly I was like, oh, hell yeah, like... I worked pretty hard for that comp. Yeah. So now I get to eat up and play with the big girls in the under 60s. And I'm totally the underdog and totally going to be the weakest <coughs> one there. But like, bring it on. And I think that was like quite a big kind of turning point as well. Because it was like a bit more pressure. Mm. Finally, I was like accepting of like taking it a bit more seriously as well. <laughs> what do you think contributed? It seems like you, you are very confident in your ability to work hard, get a result. And sort of do yourself proud quite early in your competitive career. And something I've seen with a few of my clients, and I'm sure Alex has with his as well, is people who are who are a little bit nervous about their comp prospects and who aren't necessarily ready to get on the platform and give it their all. Whereas you seem very confident um, and self-assured. What do you think contributed to that, like that early in your career? Mm, I think it could be that I actually waited quite a while to do a comp, like to do a comp at all, because. I mean, you Sorry, can tell, me, you can tell question, me as well yeah. what you think. But yeah, like, because like I weight, like I, you know, squatted 115 and deadlifted 
um, like whatever it was before I'd done my first comp 120 or 125 and like I have a lot of girls going into comps now who aren't squatting or deadlifting that yet. And I think that's fantastic, you know, yeah. and if anything is a better way to drive the appetite for wanting to get stronger and, and, you know, keep working hard and, um, you know, actually staying accountable to a program and so forth. But maybe because I waited so long and then realized that my, like my numbers and my ability and my like, um, kind of like potential. Yeah. Like my potential was, Yeah than I don't originally expect it. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Do you want... Shout out, Tom. I'm just (laughs) totally FTB attributing some of this to him. Do you think his coaching helped? And do you think just generally that he's a supportive person would have helped as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like his coaching from the start, um, you know, he... I definitely needed some tough love and I... And he totally provided that. (laughs) And the structure and, and... just everything, like the technique, um, you know, all of that was really important as well. Um, but in terms of the confidence, I mean, yeah, probably just that he, like he was always, he would be the one that'd be, I'd send videos of other female lifters too, saying, yeah. oh my God, look what this girl can do. And then he'd provide the perspective of you're 10 kilos lighter and you're squatting 10 kilos less. Like you will be able to do this soon, you know? And he was just like providing a bit of perspective all the time or looking at it from a different point of view. So, yeah. So he was almost encouraging you to believe that you were better than you thought you were. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. And did you have other people around you? Like, did you have training partners or anything at the time who were also going through a similar journey or was it always just you and, you know, plus or minus Tom? Uh, It was mostly Tommy and I at the start and like the people that we met kind of at comps or the people that we already knew. Um, but then I started working at Virgin Active yeah. and I like met a few people through there that we started like training as a group with. So we had like our little crew of powerlifting friends as well. So Dave as well. Yeah, yeah. Dave Grady. Dave Grady, I do remember him. Yeah. Yeah. And um and yeah, so that was good fun and definitely very supportive. And yeah, they were, they were super encouraging actually. So as I was starting to kind of find my feet in, in powerlifting and, and get better, then they'd be like, yeah, very, very supportive of and probably trying to like egg me on a little bit more too. Like you need to, you know, you need to squat 150 and you need to bench 80. Actually, I said if I ever bench 80, I'd retire. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, now you can. <laughs> if you want. That's it, I'm done. <laughs> um, we're going to take a very quick break and we'll be right back on the road to pro roll. Weekly Weights. Welcome back. It's Weekly Weights, episode 64. I want to make a Nintendo 64 joke. Next ring intro, <laughs> Weekly Weights 64. Um... We're talking with Jess <laughs> um, about her journey in powerlifting. <laughs> and we were talking about your journey to, to Pro Raw. So what was the training like at that point for you? Um, well, after Sydney Cup, I went away and had like a holiday and, and then we came back and like hit it really hard. So yeah. I was just, everything had to do with powerlifting at that point and it was just like everything was based around making sure that I had enough time to train and I was I was like spending a bit more time 
on like recovery or what I like kind of thought was recovery. So I was getting like massages every week and, and just things like that. So yeah, it, I had like a, a, how long would I have had there? Probably four months where I was eating everything (laughs) and training really hard. And yeah, it was good. It was really good. I was making a lot of training PBs, um, just probably, especially from training heavier because I'd never actually tried to like get up to 60 kilos in body weight. So that's pretty cool. But then I accidentally got over 60 and so then I had to cut. (laughs) How tall were you? Uh, 160 centimeters. Okay. And and what, you gained how many kilos in how many months? Uh, Well, I would sit like at around 55 kilos. Oh, okay. um, And then, so then cut to 52s rather than going up to 56s. Um, And then, yeah, so bad. So bad. (laughs) (laughs) Silly Millie. But yeah, so, because like I wanted... Um, to break the record or whatever. So I did that. <laughs> yeah. A GPC record. Yeah. So then, yeah. So I had a really good prep up to Pro Raw and then a really fun comp as well. Yeah. And even though like I was the only under 52 kilo lifter there, um, I like I did pretty well. So I what thought. was it like at Pro Raw? Because like, maybe give the audience a quick rundown of what, what Pro Raw is like and how it differs from your normal comps. It's got fewer weight classes. Yes. You know, marquee lifters. Yeah. Yes. Give us a run So Pro Raw is held at the Arnold's event in Melbourne every year. Um, so it's in the convention centre in Melbourne and it's big. Like there's a, like a lot going on, all the bodybuilding shows and strongman and all sorts of sports. And then there's little powerlifting. Well, it used to be like a little powerlifting in the corner, but now it's getting bigger and bigger every year. And we've got a huge stage. Uh, it It's like an invitational, not sanctioned and... Um, the organizers invite lifters from from overseas as well as from around Australia from different federations. Yeah, and then for the for the females there's three weight classes, 60s, under 75s and over 75s. And for the guys there's I think five or five weight classes or six weight classes. And within the weight classes it's still whoever lifts the most wins. There's no accommodation for, you know, how yes. much you weigh. Yes. And there's no records at pro is there? No records. <laughs> yeah. No fourth attempts and there's no federation. No federation. Yeah. So what are the rules in terms of lifting squats or with wraps? Are there specialty bars? Uh, yes. So you squat with a squat bar out of a mono lift and um, you're able to use wraps. You do you want to squat in sleeves if you want to? Do you want to just quickly explain the difference between a regular bar and a squat bar? So a squat bar is 25 kilos and it's thicker. So... But those are the main differences to me. <laughs> it's less whippy, it's, right? It's less, well, yeah, those yeah. those are the two differences. Mm. Um, ha, do you notice much of a difference in squatting on like a regular gym bar versus the thicker bar? Hundred percent. You do? Yes, very yeah. much. Yeah, for starters, because it's so much thicker, it changes your setup quite a lot. Um, so when I didn't have as much muscle on my back, it would feel really alien on my back like training all the time with an ollie bar essentially and then coming into a squat bar obviously my hands had to wrap around and i have quite a narrow grip so that felt really unusual initially now i have a lot more meat on my back and i train with a squat bar anyway so it feels a lot nicer but it changes my balance a lot which is super important in squats it changes your balance yeah kind of like when i first unrack i can feel i don't know whether it's because it's like denser weight on my back or something something like that or maybe it's yeah, I'm not really too sure. She made it. Um, but it definitely, it means I, it takes me a little bit longer to find my balance right. if I haven't used a squat bar for a little bit of time. Okay. And the knurling is super hectic because the knurling is mostly all the way across, oh. depending on which bar it is. But yeah. 
so it whips up your back. So we've arrived at Pro Raw. Um, like you said, big event at a big event um, filled with lifters who presumably you knew. Like yeah. not personally, yeah, yeah. knew of. Fangirled. Yeah, fangirl. <laughs> Um Was that an intimidating atmosphere for you? Yeah, it was, but it was really <coughs> exciting. I went into it being like, hey, like I've PB'd in training. Like I've done some really cool shit in training. So I'm just going to have... But it, like it was intimidating in that I was amongst all these lifters that I'd been following for years and and these girls were gonna like out squat me by a hundred kilos and stuff. But it was I was okay with it. Kind of went into it like with my expectations managed, I think. So what did you lift? Uh, my first pro what did I lift? I squatted. To the notes here. Yeah, what did I squat? I squatted one sixty five. 165. 165, I'm pretty sure, but I can't find where I wrote it. Pretty well. That's 2019, 2018. Yeah, 165, benched 72.5 and deadlifted 170. And that was all a very good result, right? That's Yeah, nice. I was stoked. The best I had squatted in training was 152. Right, wow. And Huge gains. Yeah, so I, did, I PB'd in my second squat. And then thought Tom would maybe take 160, maybe for a third, but he went YOLO and it paid off. So, yeah, there, it was it was huge. It was really good. I was stoked. So, what was the next step after that? So, at that point, you were obviously holding your own a very high level competition. What did that mean for your competitive career? Uh, at that point, it was kind of looking onto nationals where I had committed to doing the 52s because that's the class I had qualified for oh, no so I had to reverse that <laughs> yeah so I that's when I started working with Jacob from JPS to um to get me kind of skinny again <laughs> Shut up, <Jacob. laughs> yeah and and I had to drop back down to 52 so it, it was all about like just trying to maintain all the awesome momentum I'd made with my training um but while in a huge deficit pretty much from the week after pro raw until nationals which was in July so how long was that break uh months, yeah four months yeah, March, months, yeah. March, March, July, <coughs> July yeah. yeah. And I had an America trip in there as well for my mum's 50th. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we did it. And it wasn't really that hard of a cut, like considering it probably should have been. Um, yes, yeah, so it was really good. We have a 24-hour weigh-in as well, so obviously... Makes things a tiny bit yes. more manageable. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, and so I did nationals and I won nationals. That was my first Nats. I, was, I loved it. Um yeah, and then I kind of secured another invite for Pro Raw the following year, which was cool. And then, yeah, and then and then I got my first Boss of Bosses invite after that. So wow. that was pretty cool. So where within that period did you become a coach? Uh, I had started doing PT back in 2015, so when I was doing the novice comps. Okay. So that's when I sort of started the booty cult yeah. and started PTing um, and then working out of Virgin Active and out of um, a strength and conditioning gym in Brookvale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and I didn't really have anyone that was interested in powerlifting at those stages. I mean, I was only just, you know, really getting into powerlifting and stuff. But a lot of my PT clients saw the comps I was doing and my results and thought that was pretty cool. And they thought it was pretty cool that like this like small girl was really strong in yeah. the gym. <laughs> so then they would ask questions about it and ask about the novice comps and come along and watch. Yeah. And then they started, so it was just my PT girls that started to be more interested in powerlifting and, um, and wanted to get involved with it as well. Yeah. And then and eventually when people starting to contact you, 
you know, from the internet and things and saying, hey, like, you know, I saw what you did at Pro Raw, do you take clients and things? Or were you not advertising yourself as a coach yet? I was not advertising myself as a coach, not as a powerlifting coach. I was doing PT and I had the booty call or the booty parlor. I did have, yeah, a few people reach out to me. It was mostly if they kind of knew people that I trained or knew people that I trained with or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was mostly kind of what kicked it off with the girls that were interested in lifting or in powerlifting or getting into powerlifting. Um, and it was also kind of girls probably that came from similar backgrounds of really just lifting in the gym or girls that were like kind of knew that they were strong but hadn't really done anything about it. Girls that were similar size to me, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of kind of, yeah, I think maybe that they, it was like an empathy thing or something. (laughs) I'm also a small girl. Well, I do think it's important (laughs) that people relate to their coaches. Yeah. Like I think in some, like in some respects you have to admire your coach a little bit. I don't think many of my clients do. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think any of them do. Yeah, probably not. Um, but but certainly I think you have to be able to relate to them on a personal level and say like there's something about like the way this person acts or, you know, or what they seem to believe or what their training embodies or something that, that, they, that resonates with them. Yeah. You know, otherwise they wouldn't hire you. They'd hire somebody else, right? Yeah. And so obviously these people were seeing something in what you were achieving that was, you know, compelling to them that they mm. wanted to be part of themselves. Yeah. So that's very cool. Um yes. When did you start the booty parlor? Uh, the booty parlor two years ago. Okay. Yeah. So we were working out of a, I was working out of strength and conditioning um, gym in Brookvale for a few years. Uh, at the same time, I was working at Virgin Active. And then Tommy came over and worked there as well. Yeah. We were both there. Um, and then basically we had to leave that gym. So it was just more of an opportunistic thing because at that stage I hadn't really planned to open a gym. I hadn't really, um, like, you know, I... Th- I kind of thought maybe one day in the future, but it definitely, the timing was surprise to everyone, including me. And it was just, yeah, at that point I was like, well, why not? We, all my girls need a place to train. Tommy's mm-hmm. clients need a place to train. We need somewhere to train as well. Um, and then we can kind of make it what we want for now. Um, yeah. So I made like a small gym. It's just a studio, but yeah, it's pretty cool. How'd Tom go initially selling the idea of training people at the booty parlor? It's Jess's gym. <laughs> I think that's how he positioned it. I'm sure we could get some like 20-ish year old men in there really easily saying, yeah, come in fellas, it's called the booty parlor. It's, yeah. unreal. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He's just opened his own facility. Yes, he what, has. this week, last week? Uh, recently, yeah. yeah. So it's been uh, maybe a month and a half now, um, but he officially it'll like open next month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you, seen, have you seen it? No. What's it called? Are we going to give it a plug on here or are we strictly <laughs> keeping it to commercial interests within us three? We can give it a plug. <laughs> mm, okay, we'll give it a plug. What's, what's it called? It's called Strength Drive. Strength Drive. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And where's it going to be? It's in Chroma. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, cool. Near Zone 3. Does everyone remember Zone 3? Yes. Um, no. no, okay. Zone three was where we would go do birthday parties between the age of like eight and twelve, and it was laser tag. Oh. And I remember it being amazing, like because it was kind of underground and dark, and I felt like it was this giant labyrinth that's probably so small. But I remember it was so cool. So there was laser tag, there was like trampolines, arcade, all that, and it was in Chroma. It was so good. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah, near there. Okay, cool. Pretzel, 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 pretzel. Uh-uh-uh. No, no speaking. No. Oh gosh. Dog drivers. All right, we're having a break. Weekly weights. Right, weekly weights sixty four. We're back on air. Pretzel has settled down and is 
joined Jess sitting on her lap. Um, <laughs> so, so in your competitive career at this point, where we're up to, you've just won nationals and you got the lead up to big goals. Is that the next big event on your calendar? Uh, big dogs. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah, uh, boss of bosses. Boss of bosses. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> isn't big dogs the super heavyweight men's thing? <laughs> They've just introduced a women's oh, part of it, oh, which oh, is really? Wildcats. Yeah. Okay, Wildcats. So that will be a goal is that this for. Year? It is going to be this year, yeah. So it's on the same day as Big Dogs. So it's the same idea, no weight classes. Uh, this one is, so they have given it a weight class. It's under 75s. Okay, I was going to say, how big are you going to get? Under 75s one? only. Only under 75s and at no, this stage. no over 75s. Okay. And the qualifying total is 500. Okay. Okay, so it's possible. It's possible. Oh. Well, you're 470, right? That's is my best, yeah. So right. yeah, that'll be like the next goal. I think is to what to hit Wild that five hundred. So you yes. you mentioned that you used to compete in the fifty twos. Yes. And you've recently competed in the fifty six class. Was that yes. two weeks ago or yes, last two, weekend? Yeah. Um, do you have plans on moving up into the next division? Is it the sixty kilo class or the yes. next one? Do you have plans to move up? Yes, I do. Are you like already on the way? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. There you that go. That's an exclusive, step. a yeah. weekly way. <laughs> eventually continuing and going like all the way up to 70, probably not all the way up to 75, <laughs> I, but like half like 75. Five foot four or whatever. Maybe the stockiest 75 kilo they've done. I think at this stage, let's see what I can do in the 60s. And yeah, if, hopefully, I mean, I think it's nice, like organically outgrowing the class, but at the same time, I've always been bigger for each of my classes. Yeah. Like I was a big 52 yeah. and Marcos would say, to me like you are the most jacked 52 kilo, kilo lifter you're not allowed to be 52s anymore go up yeah. to 56s and then the same thing in 56s people be like go up to the 60s man like why are you cutting down to 56 yeah. but i guess it gives you that experience for when you're then the next class you got to cut down the next one you got to cut down well yeah everyone's like oh how good is it going to be when you go up a weight class and you don't have to cut i'm like i'm gonna cut like i'm already <laughs> I'll, just, I'll yeah. just like you know i want to fill it out and be competitive in my class <laughs> So who are the other girls in Australia in the 60s that you're going to be going against? Really strong people. Laura Scrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jen Smith. Huge squad. Yeah. I don't know Jen Smith. I know the name. Thomas coaches her, doesn't he? Yes. She's up in Queensland, so she's incredibly strong. Okay. That's Thomas Lilly, not Thomas Thomas Lilly. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're the two, they're the two top. So they will always be, um, on the podium at Pro, at Pro Raw. So I came fourth at Pro Rock. Laura Segro has squatted 200, hasn't she? No, like 198. 220, 220 bro. 220? squatted yeah, 230. Yeah. Good gravy. I thought she was like a 198, 200 squatted. 230, okay. Yes. Far out. I better watch my back. <laughs> yeah, okay. She definitely benches more and than And Jen Smith yeah, um, has squatted 200 as well. Yeah. Wow. So both of them are over 500. I think Jen Smith's best total is 520 and um, Laura's is... 530 okay. something. Wow. They're both incredibly strong. Very yeah. the like 10 best in the world on Wilkes in any weight class, right? Yeah, I've seen her on all those lists. Yeah. And she came to the Kern as well. Okay. And won the 60s class because Mariana moved into my class. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And she <laughs> squatted like 260. Yeah. Did you see that? No, I didn't. The 260 at 56 squat? No. I'll, I'll have to look it up. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so we've gotten way <laughs> off topic. So you're not invited to Big Dogs yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Boss of Bosses. Wildcats. Boss of Bosses. So, Wildcats. Um, high School Musical, you remember that? Okay, so Boss of Bosses. You've been invited yeah. to Boss of Bosses. Yeah. So um, I won Nationals again after um, that Pro Raw as well, just in between those, but that was in um, the next class up 
So I went, I did go up a class after my first 52. Yeah. Um, and then I went and did boss of bosses and I missed weight for that, which was a bit lame because I missed it by 500 grams. So I competed in the under 60s. Okay. Um, but because that comp is based on Wilkes, I still did really well. It's a bit funny, isn't it? Using yeah. Wilkes in a yeah. <laughs> rap squad. Fuck yeah. Wilkes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I came second overall from the girls that squatted in raps. So that was a good result. And I came second in the 60s. So it wasn't too bad. And my results were good. It was That's my best. Um, that's my 470 total. So I squatted 185, bench 90, and deadlifted 195. Wow. Okay. At 56.5. I wish it was at 56.0, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And then when does that take us to? Does that take us to the very end of last year? Yeah. Okay. And then this year, you've just recently competed a couple of weeks ago. And somewhere prior, you did the current. Yeah. As well. And pro rule before that. I've done three comps this year. Goodness. I know. I was going to say, how do you have time for anything else? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just dogs and powerlifting. Dogs and powerlifting and yeah, food. apparently so. So, you've racked up heaps of competitive experience and now you're sort of bumping up against the top end, it sounds like. Um, what are some of the big, big lessons you've learned um, in terms of competition preparation for yourself? Um, I think one of the biggest things that I learned was, um, that sometimes it's just about getting shit done. You know, I think that was something that once I accepted that, it kind of helped that, you know, it's not always about PBs and enjoying training and feeling motivated. Sometimes it's just like, you've just got to do the work. You've just got to get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big lesson, especially, um, once I started to try and do multiple (laughs) preps in a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and what about in terms of things like making weight for you? What's the process like? You have a 24-hour weigh-in. Mm-hmm. So what types of things do you do? And what does your body weight sit at before the immediate cut? Uh, so I work with a nutrition coach. So now I work with Dean McKillop. Yep. Flex success. We know Dean. Yep. And I, so I you know, totally hand that part over to them, uh, which is nice. You know, Handing it over to Dean means that it's one less thing that I'm stressing about. And I know he's all over the numbers. And, you know, all the metrics. Um, So that helps. Uh, In terms of what weight I sit at, I generally sit about four to five kilos heavier than what um, my comp weight is in my prep, which is huge. (laughs) And then I, like 12 weeks out or or so that I'm already, you know, starting to kind of like taper my nutrition and I guess a little bit so that we can make the actual week of comp cut easier um but essentially most of it happens in that last week where then i i drop like yeah three or four sometimes five kilos preferably not five but yeah about yeah. four kilos so yeah, and for, for all weight. the for all the listeners the this is a 24-hour weigh-in yes so we, you can get away with cutting a little bit more weight because you have that time to rehydrate and get it all back do you find that you actually get back to where you were um when you're on the platform the week of the the start of the week of the comp, if that makes sense. Like if like you're if you're, you're if you're cutting to yeah, like if you're cutting yes. to fifty six and you're sixty yeah. at the start of the week, after weigh in, do you get back to sixty? Yes. Like comfortably. Uh yes, I'm a pretty good eater, and <laughs> so I then yeah the night that I was after weigh in, I was like sixty one before nationals, and I woke up at sixty. 
Okay, great. Yeah, so, so a lot of, there would be a lot of, yeah, different perspectives on that. Because so then... Is it, all, is it all water loading and sauna and things that you do to lose that weight? Or are there some more, like... No, I don't really... I I don't really sauna anymore, but I am... I, I use the spa and okay. kind of hot bath. Yeah. Um, the end bit's off, which is usually like a, maybe a kilo and a half or so. Um, but a lot of it is just like change in nutrition, a bit of water manipulation... Um, we actually don't touch sodium anymore, but like that was one that we used before, but like, yeah, the way that Dean changes my food yeah. has made a big difference. So you change the food so, bulk that you're eating? Or, yeah. 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 So the so yeah. lower food volume. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it makes a big difference. Um, and yeah, I, it's a combination of things, obviously. Um, but then, yeah. And then spar out the rest. <laughs> and then the rehydration process, what do you do? Uh, or the I, regain, we should say. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing the growling again. Hey, um, I have like strict instruction as to what I'm drinking and eating and how frequently, and it's just basically like dribbling it in throughout the day. So I'm slowly trickling in lots of lots of food and and drinks and having food that I know isn't going to upset me. As similar to what I've been <coughs> having the whole prep and in the few weeks leading up to to the cut as possible. Um, and it's all carbs <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So what's a post weigh in dinner for you? Uh, the post dinner weigh-in is, meal, I should say. The, the first meal I have, uh, or for the last two cuts has been cinnamon toast crunch with rice milk, banana, honey, salt, lots of salt. Rice milk because of the carbs. Cause rice milk is very yeah. carby to people who are listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, and dried apricots. Yum. Yeah. So that's my first breakfast. And then my dinner is just like steak, broccoli, because that's what I'd been having kind of in the few weeks leading up to it. Right. So we make, make that. Um, yeah. Or like something similar to that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. So I've heard it's not an uncommon practice for men, um, for men on 24 hour ways to do a very light workout after the weigh in mm. before they start eating and drinking and things. Is that something that you've ever trialed or no? No. No. I don't think that would... If you ever saw me after weigh-in... What, you're just no, emaciated and... Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. I get very little. And I just want to eat and sleep. Really? You yeah. Should, have you ever taken pictures like six hours apart or something where you do your weigh-in, then start eating and things like yeah, six or seven hours later, take another picture and do a side-by-side? Mm-hmm. Side? I definitely should do that. You should do it. That'll go off on Instagram. <laughs> Just put me in the caption because I can deal with the extra six, six hour six hour transformation. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And then reverse it and sell a diet supplement on it. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's two weeks of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, so we've spoken a bit about the your attitudes to comp prep um, prior to that. What about in terms of lift by lift? What are some of the big technical lessons that you've had to you've had to undergo in your journey? Uh. Well, technical lessons, I guess, like learning the wrap squat and how I had to adjust my squat um, to, to leverage the la- uh, the wraps and to be able to, like, take advantage of them would have been a big lesson. That's what you're asking for, right? Lessons yeah. I've learned, yeah. yeah. And then um, and then other thing was just, um, well, I kind of, I tore my labrum. <laughs> um, labrum. Yeah, my hip labrum. Uh, before like last year or the year before at one point and it was probably from competing and having heavy weights a little bit like too, too frequently yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> so don't want to say I too much that. maybe a lot, <laughs> maybe yeah. A lot. yeah so 
while like I guess that's you know back to the question that you asked whether like structure like with my torso and with the wrap squats whether the, whether the overload was um, you know showing its impact probably it showed its impact a little bit on my hips right so maybe that was a reminder to like take the wraps off for a little while and to try and work on weaknesses between comps a little yep. bit more even when comp seasons were kind of you know when the t- when it was quite tight between comps yeah yeah i think that's the i'm curious for your thoughts on this alex that's one of the big um the big difficulties with short turnarounds from comps because if you do a long prep for somebody then they've been exposed to a lot of really specific training. And then if they only have, say, six or eight weeks or something between that comp and the next one, on the one hand, you need to build in enough like rest for them to get better and be able to do more hard training for the comp. But on the other hand, you can't, you don't have the time to take them away from mm. specific, uh, specificity. So finding that balance is really hard. And you've had a few competitors do it. What do you normally do? Uh, I usually, like you said, keep the specificity in, but just taper the intensity for a few weeks and sort of take bigger jumps in intensity in the first few weeks of the, of the cycle rather than like go on specific work and then try and build it back in. Cause you just, like you said, you just don't have the time to like properly periodize and face potentiate. Yeah. I guess that's probably why annual planning and having some rest mm. from comps. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, <laughs> might totally. be important. But it actually happens on like a really light session. You know, they say yeah. that that's always the case, right? Like it was just a light session. It was just, but it was wrapped squats. We think, we don't really know if that's the exact time, you know, in place, but that's when and I that's remember kind of, lo- yeah, yeah, like kind of my squat was a bit funny that day. And then after that, all the pain started. How long so, did that slow you down for? Uh, well, it happened just after Pro Raw in 2018. Yep. And then I was able to still compete at nationals in June. So I kept prepping, but I had physio once or twice a week leading up to it. And it just meant that I really had to pull back on squats, which was my favorite and strongest lift right. until that point. <laughs> so I had to pull that back a little bit, but yeah. Have you had any other injuries of note? Um, not really, no. Like nothing that's been like properly diagnosed. I've had a lot of things that have kind of, come around and like a lot of pain that has restricted i guess gains but no nothing really notable like the hip label and have you has one of your lifts traditionally been the problem lift for you in training or competition deadlifts (laughs) and what was it about deadlifts that made them hard um i would suck myself out of deadlifts a lot i think that i may have had I may have had a prep where like my back, I hurt my back a little bit while deadlifting. And so then I had a lot of hesitation with it. Um, but I don't really know if there was anything like an exact, you know, point in time, but I just know that I lost a lot of confidence with it. And it's funny. Cause that's the lift you were saying you posted your hundred kilo deadlift video. And yeah. That was... Initially it was yeah. my new gains one. It was the one I thought I was going to be so good at. Yeah. And now it's kind of my, my least favorite lift the one that I probably make the least consistent gains on stop it missy you can play without barking sorry that was jess just talking to alex (laughs) (laughs) so jess you mentioned that the biggest thing for you improving your squat was learning how to use the wraps and you also mentioned earlier learning how to load your hips what about the bench press now your bench your first comp was if i'm looking at your notes 55 yeah and you've recently benched 95, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's made the biggest progress from a percentage standpoint. It's almost 100% increase since you started. 
What's been the biggest key for that? Uh, I think definitely embracing doing a little bit more of like the bodybuilding stuff um, has helped it. But I think also conventional, like when I switched from sumo, I was a terrible sumo deadlifter. I don't know why I was doing sumo, but I was doing sumo when I first started powerlifting and then I switched to conventional and I started to uh, like grow a lot more back muscles. And I don't know if it was definitely from the conventional, but it was timed around the same time. And once I started to grow it back, I started to bench better and more <laughs> uh, uh yeah like the the weight went up so i think once i actually saw that i was making some progress with bench i started to not hate it as much yeah, yeah. and then started to put a little bit more effort into it because before that i was like oh i'm only like making 2.5 kilo increases per comp i won't even really bother too much about it because i didn't think i could really add to my total with it whereas once i kind of got better at it you should, you should teach Will how to add 2.5 kilos <laughs> to his bench each comp. Yeah, I'll do that once every Olympic cycle. <laughs> um, okay, so what about your what about your experience now as a coach? So you do have some powerlifting clients. Mm-hmm. What influences or yeah, how does your training history, I should say, influence the way in which you coach other people? I think definitely I wouldn't say like regrets or mistakes, but some of the things that I did that maybe in hindsight, I think, oh, it wasn't really necessary. Like the weight cuts early on or wanting to go down a weight class rather than up a weight class so that I could be competitive. That's like one of the main thing. Oh, you know, one of the things definitely that I, I, um, I try and encourage with, um, my lifters is, you know, go, go into it, not worrying about weight categories, go into it just looking at, um, you know, wanting to get stronger and wanting to get better at it. And I think another aspect, like something that really drew, um, you know, made me interested in powerlifting was that you can, you can really, you're constantly learning about it, but you can really try and perfect something, you know, Mm. it's like trying to be a technician at something and trying to like keep learning the skill and relearning the skill and getting better at it. So I think that's something that I try and like whet the appetite of my girls with as well is like, you know, fine tune it, know your sequences and your processes and like learn to love what your squat looks like and what you think about what your cues are with it. Um, so yeah, I'd say it would be some of the mistakes I made early on or the ways that I was looking at powerlifting, the priorities, and then also, um, yeah, like the things to focus on most with your own training. Yeah. Cool. I think that's all very sage advice. Hmm. Um, absolutely shall we take a break and do the four questions oh dear oh dear the best part oh dear okay quick break we'll be right back welcome back to weekly weights episode Nintendo 64 yes we're here with Jess Zukowski that's that right yes yeah nice (laughs) and we're here with the four questions that tell us everything we need to know about a person first question is Jess, if you could take anyone out to dinner, dead or alive, who would it be? So first of all, I would say that I would take them out for brunch because that is the superior meal to take someone out for, I think. Is that okay? Is that acceptable? Reasonable. Yeah, that's Reasonable. Fine. Carry on. That's cool. I would take um, Christy Wolf, Christy May Wolf. She is, this is a bit of a weird one, I think, but she basically built um, one of the cabins that I stayed at. And it was a tree house up in Hawaii on Big Island. And she built it and then has also built like three other cabins after that as well. And designed them and stuff and then like made books about the whole process and... Is she an architect? 
Um, she has no architecture, like she's not an architect. Well, when you say she built them, but she designed she act- them or she actually, she like, actually hammered them? Yeah, she, she went and she found the land herself and then she would like clean it up and then she would actually go in and build it all. Yeah, That's pretty it was cool. pretty sick. Yeah. yeah. And so I loved staying there knowing that she had done that all herself. And I'm obsessed with cabins, by the way. Yeah. And finding cabins for holidays and things. I reckon staying in a tree house as well would be very cool. Yeah. It's yeah. an off grid little spot right near volcano. Oh, wow. The big um, volcano on the. Yeah, Big Island, and, and then she's got this other cabin that's a potato. It's a giant potato somewhere in America, okay. and you can stay inside of it. Like, they're really unique. Um, yeah, so just the ideas, the whole process behind, like, wanting, you know, finding the place for it and and then, yeah, making it happen. And then she, like, rents them out and stuff. And she just seems cool as well. She's a little bit wild. I follow her on Instagram, and she's a bit, yeah, out there. So well, I think you've got to I be a little bit left of center if your thing is, like, go find secluded places and build a cabin. Yeah. You know, that's like an obsession with cubby houses, but like <laughs> just way too far. Just took it to a completely different. <laughs> you know, and like your parents used to be out for a whole day and it was rainy and you'd like push all the couches up against things and put bed sheets over them and have like an entire bed, like, sorry, entire room cubby house. Do you ever do that? 100%. Yeah. This is the adult version. Yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. question two. Question two Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, shit. We didn't keep brainstorming this one um i find this one really challenging because i'm not that into sport (laughs) and i'm yeah not that into like following people like whether it's celebrities or anyone really but i would say like it would have to be a female and she'd have to be pretty badass so i'm probably going to say serena williams even though it's probably been said before because she's pretty badass yeah has been said before was it liz I'm certain that Liz Craven said it. You Pretzel, pretzel, pretzel. Pretzel. Is she barking at you at your own house? That is awesome. Wow. Okay, guys. We've got some dog drama. Controversy here in the Weekly Wade's household. Pretzel, our guest, has just viciously attacked my mother. Go for a pretzel. Come on. Finish her. <laughs> Digby's come to the rescue. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back on air. Um, pretzels finished with a little attack on my mummy. Um, where were we? We were talking about Serena Williams. I'm sure Liz Craven said Serena. Possibly Jules Nanetti said Serena. You're friends with Liz, aren't you? Yes, Liz would be up there as well as one of my... Yeah. Yeah. Nah, you don't want to get... Yeah, but then again, you don't she'll be like... She sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's great. <laughs> All right. Question three. Which movie or television character do you most oh, resent? I haven't... I don't know... I didn't think about this one. Well, how would you describe your character? Uh, like, just pick three adjectives about yourself. Okay. How about you? Got? Do you have any ideas for movie characters or? This um, is uh, this, this is your job. <laughs> yeah. We've done our jobs. <laughs> That's true. Yes, <laughs> okay. Long, like so small dogs. Uh, so far I've got Paris Hilton but that's not oh my god <laughs> thank you um, thank you <laughs> that would be something she'd say <laughs> thank you oh, um, no. okay else? let's just go with that then that's terrible that's terrible <laughs> I have to fix that I'm going to make it my life goal yeah. to not be Paris Hilton <laughs> you can write <laughs> you can send me a voice message of your actual answer and I'll insert it <laughs> yeah. alright so, so we've got Paris Hilton okay oh no and now song 
Yeah, final question. So your life's being made into a montage and you you get to choose the music. What's it going to be? Are you looking through your Spotify yes. recent searches? Oh, it's so hard because straight away, like you guys are going to think about the lyrics of a song or yeah. perhaps the band choice. Go instrumental. I am going to go Teardrop by Massive Attack just because it's a sick tune. And that then like, you know, I think yeah. like it'll be a nice flow through my montage. I was going to say it's very like kind of groovy and mellow mm. do you, not, you know that one right? I don't know yes you definitely do play it? Yeah, play it just play like five seconds because copyright oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very famous when the melody comes in I don't know yes you have know I love it as if you don't know this I don't know this that's actually a good one that's it something about that reminds me of Chariots of Fire, you know, you know Chariots of Fire, right? Yeah, I know there's, something, <laughs> there's something about that reminds me of that. Like you're just gonna start running really quickly, like and it'll surprise everyone. You know, <laughs> I don't know why I think that. Anyway, I think that's a good choice. Cool. All right, final job for today. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been great. Thank can you. you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet, how they can get in contact with you for coaching, things like that? Uh, on the internet, I'm Jasichka underscore Z. So that's on in, on Instagram. Can you spell Jasichka? Jasichka. <laughs> so J-E-S-S-I-C-Z-K-A underscore Z. Um, or at the Booty Parlor. You can come and hang out and come and say hey at the Booty Parlor, which is in Valgala. Yeah, that's probably the main ways. That... Do you have a website for the Booty Parlor? I do, thebootyparlor.com.au. Cool. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. See you later. Thank you.